Welcome everyone to episode 185 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Dan Club and Chris Coughlin to review Liverpool's 2-1 win over Fulham in the Carabao Cup. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Liverpool take a slim advantage to Craven Cottage for the second leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final. They actually went behind at Anfield just before the 20th minute, Willian scoring for Fulham. And it wasn't until, really, the, the final quarter of the game that they came alive with two goals in three minutes. The first of those a deflected strike from Curtis Jones and then Cody Gakpo scoring soon afterwards to give Liverpool the victory on the night. But obviously the tie is far from over and a big job still to do in a couple of weeks' time. But we'll begin with our three-word match reviews and our assessment of a Liverpool performance that threatened to be, I'd say, one of their poorest going forward um, all season, Dan. Um, but in the end, they've obviously come away with a decent result from that first leg. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, as you touched on there, it took us a while to get going. I actually felt like I wasn't too sort of disheartened by the first half display. I've seen a lot of the... The discourse on social media was suggesting that it was it was horrendous. It was essentially the pits of the season. I wasn't sort of on board with that. It felt like, although there wasn't loads sort of created in the final third, it did kind of break down a lot. There were no clear cut chances, and we did look a little bit toothless. I kind of put that down to just a little bit of um, not being on the same wavelength. Certainly on the right hand side, because we were so used to seeing Trent, Salah, and Sabozlai just be brilliant over there in their own individual ways. And Connor Bradley, Harvey Elliott, and Gavinberch, individually very good players. And you know, we'll talk about their performances individually in more detail. But it just never really happened at any point for them as a sort of a triangle. There's a couple of times where one came short and the ball went in behind and stuff like that. It just kept breaking down, which was quite frustrating. But yeah, I wasn't really too annoyed by the first half, I must admit. But having said that, the second half was clearly much better. And the result is a decent one, I think it's fair to say. Um, in terms of my three-word match reviews... I was tempted to go with poor Owen Beck because he was on the receiving end of what looked like a tirade from Jurgen Klopp. Um, he looked like he wanted to get out of there. He wanted to be anywhere else but sat on that bench at that moment. But um, I've gone with another comeback win because I think a lot of the talk in the aftermath of the game, I think Cody Gakpo touched on the mentality side of things as well. And it's clear to see, I think we all probably loosely or were nervous about saying it earlier on the season because we kept doing this sort of thing earlier on and people say that's sort of the mark of champions or trophy winners or whatever you want to call it if you find a way of coming back and winning games that you're not necessarily on top in or you're not necessarily at full flight in anyway and I think Liverpool have got a got a knack of doing that this season certainly against Fulham it looks like but yeah I think that to me to show that type of mentality and that desire and that fight to come back in a game where you are missing so many of the key players is testament to the squad essentially in terms of quality but not just quality in terms of like I say in terms of their mentality to want to fight and to want to win games of football so yeah Jurgen Klopp's got a hell of a bunch on his hands and I think it was further proven last night because Fulham are no moments of a good outfit they've caused a few upsets already this season to beat Arsenal what two or three weeks ago whatever it was so they're a decent side and to beat them in any game with what is not necessarily a second string, but a weakened Liverpool side is a very, very good effort, really. Yeah, not only obviously beaten Arsenal uh, recently, they took four points off them this season. Um, so, you know, they've proven that they can cause a lot of problems for big teams, as did against us um, in the Premier League at Anfield as well. Um, I'll come to you then, Chris. I mean, 
your three words and what you made of, of a bull show on last night. Yeah, I'll go straight in with my three words. Uh, super sub time, because again, I think it's so important to emphasize how much Jurgen Klopp has got right this season. I think last season, at times, we discussed like he didn't seem himself in terms of some of his maybe his decision making, things like that. But this this season, how many times has he got his substitutions so spot on with how they've impacted the game? And the thing is, when you looked at the bench last night, I think we all kind of thought if the game needed turning around, it was only Nunez and Gakpo that really could come on and make a difference. Obviously, Qantas had a great season, but maybe not an impact player that, that you'd have to come off the bench and, and make a difference. Maybe maybe more of a tactical change. But Gakpo and Nunez were just absolutely phenomenal from the moment they set foot on the pitch. And it might be a bit harsh, this, but prior to them, I thought there was barely any threat. I know at the start of the five minutes, start of the second half, there was a bit like five-minute blitz, something like that. But there wasn't a consistent threat. And you have to remember, Fulham were, were a Kelleher save away from being 2-0 up, which could well be a massive thing. People talk about Burton, I know save at the end. We need to talk about Kevin Kelleher's saved to prevent it being 2-0, and that would have given it a whole different a whole different complex. Um, so the substitutions are absolutely spot on, absolutely massive impact from the pair of them. I think it's important to point on uh, to pick up on Dan's point as well about the comeback. It's the eighth time in all competitions that Liverpool have come back to win a game this season. That isn't just a fluke or anything like that. That is that is habit, that is mentality, that is strength of a group of players that are missing at least four of their biggest teammates. Salah, Alexander-Arnold, Soboslai, Robertson. Again, I've got to throw Endo in there. So at least five. And to come back and win against a very capable Fulham team. Admittedly, you know, they're losing, they're missing a big player as well and Alex Awobi, but still pretty much full strength apart from that. Um, It's really, really commendable from the entire group to come away with what looked like an unlikely win at one point. Yeah, you mentioned the start there about comeback wins. There's also one I saw yesterday that was really striking about goal involvement from substitutes. Um, Liverpool have now had 30 um, in all competitions, 15 goals, 15 assists, and that's 12 more than any that's other massive. league club. Yeah, um, which is, I think, really a testament to the extent to which Liverpool's squad is firing this year and I wonder if you're Jürgen Klopp and you're under pressure to maybe, well, under a little bit of pressure to maybe do a bit of business. You say, well, hang on, look at the impact we're getting from the players who aren't even in our starting eleven. But um, interestingly, seven of those uh, goal involvements have come from the player that I'm going to send to my three-word review on Darwin Nunez. I've gone with Nunez ignites Reds. And, you know, I think you make a very good point there, Chris, about how up until he came on or when he wasn't on the pitch, it was clear that he was going to need to be the one who changed it. And for me, I was looking at it thinking, I just want someone to generate chances. And you know that he's going to do that. And as much as I've been critical, I mean, you, you and I, Chris, have been a bit critical of him at certain points of season. And I think deservedly so. I, I do think that there's a mounting pile of evidence to suggest that Liverpool are a better team when he's on the pitch, um, despite his own limitations. And I was thinking to myself yesterday, you know, he's now reached 10 assists for the season. Um, Sadio Mane only did that once in his Liverpool career. 
um, you know, it's a decent feat that, especially at this stage of the season. And almost, if you look at his numbers and, and you look at what he's doing and you judge him as an all-round forward as opposed to a striker, and you start to think, hang on, he's actually doing really well. Um, that is a little bit obviously skewed because of the amount of big chances that he's getting and, and he should be scoring more of those. But as a forward, he's probably doing a lot better than he's um, performing as a centre-forward, if that makes sense. Um, and I do think it was a game that, that was crying out for him, really. Liverpool was so disjointed. It was one of their poorest attack on the performances of the season. You know, that you've both touched on it there. You've got, I mean, Dan, a perfect example with the right-hand side. Those players just don't know each other's games. You know, they didn't know what runs to make. Um, it was incredibly static. I mean, the amount of times Liverpool had the ball and there was just no movement in front of them whatsoever. You know, there was no combinations, no patterns of play. And... You could really see that. I mean, there was a stat before the game. Liverpool were without the four players who'd created the most chances for them this season after Trent got injured. Um, and you could really see that. I mean, for all the possession, there was no real high-quality chance of getting created at all. So that's why I wasn't especially hopeful of things turning around. Um, but then, obviously, Nunez comes on and the the impact that he made just in terms of the volume of chances that he generated, that he had himself. I mean, it was clear to see he gets two assists. The second one is a lot more notable than the first. I'd say really good work from him on that. Obviously, a deflected long-range goal for the, the the one for Jones. But yeah, I just think it was the turnaround from the first three quarters of the game where Liverpool were sort of... It was mad because it was like painfully slow. 80% of the time, the other time, they just launch it sort of hopelessly downfield looking for that one pass. And so basically the rhythm of the attack on play was just completely disrupted, which is kind of fair enough. And I did, like you said, Dan, have a, a bit of sympathy for them on that basis, you know, given the amount of injuries they had and looking at a Fulham side, like Chris said, that, you know, has a lot more experience playing together and stuff like that. So um, I had I had sympathy for it, but I still expected a bit better. Um, but then, yeah, it just came alive completely and found the game became a lot more open after that Liverpool equaliser, and I think if you're falling, you're probably thinking we really should have shut up shop a little bit better than that. But equally, they're coming away with um, a result that they can probably tolerate. Um, anyway, the man of the match from the Liverpool standpoint, and according to the club's fans on Twitter, was Connor Bradley. Um, Dan stepping into the team for uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, obviously out for a few weeks with that knee problem, and he did really well, didn't he? He did, yeah, absolutely he did. I thought he'd outstanding. I thought it was really good. And he might have taken a lot of confidence from his cameo away at Arsenal because that was testing circumstances, really, to come on against what looked like an at-it, Gabriel Martinelli, certainly when he was up against Trent, to come on and sort of shut him down in the way that he did would have given him a lot of a lot of hope going into what was going to come up. And I think he absolutely handled himself brilliantly. I thought in attack, he was never... Never shy. He got forward loads, loads of endeavour, tried things, didn't always come off, certainly in the first half, as I mentioned a couple of times, wasn't quite on the same wavelength as those around him, but didn't put him off at all, just full of effort, full of energy. Um, I know Klopp noticed, I noticed Klopp said he might be asleep in the dressing room when he got back in because he was that tired. Um, but yeah, honestly, I thought he was outstanding. They were fully committed to the tackle as well, fully committed defensively, up and down all night. And it's interesting how I watched him in Germany in the pre-season when Trent obviously wasn't on the pitch. Um, and he was doing the inverted stuff quite a lot. And I know he played a really attacking role at Bolton last season. So it's interesting how we don't, 
we don't shy away from using him in the similar sort of areas that we use Trent. Now, he's not as inverted as Trent because he, he can't be. It's just not going to happen, essentially. He hasn't got the same technical ability. But still, he goes in there and we're not we're not scared of doing that either. We can pop him central and we can push him up high up against the full back and stuff like that. We use him in a very similar way, which means we don't need to change too much about our system. If you put in a young right-back in who's got massive, massive limitations. All of a sudden, Liverpool might have to change everything that we do. But with someone like Conor Bradley, there's little tweaks, obviously, and you can't quite be as adventurous. But because he's quite effective at doing similar type things, it doesn't change everything, which is massively important. But yeah, honestly, I was really pleased for him last night. And he probably deserved like something to show for it, albeit the win and none of the match is something in itself, but maybe an assist or even a goal, because he was outstanding all night and he just never relented up and down there was a bit a big tackle later on I think a foul was given I think it was for the trip before I haven't watched it back but he absolutely blood and thunders it away as well and that was in the 88th minute something like that so that was just like another another tick in the box when it comes to the performance because I thought he stood up manfully and we're going to need him to do it for the next few weeks as well probably yeah I think with Trent the uh, the hope is that he, he gets back for that, that Chelsea game at the end of the month, but it's going to be touch and go for that one, I think. So, um, potentially playing not only that one, but also the second leg and against Bournemouth too. Um, I thought he was definitely Liverpool's best player yesterday. Um, there was a lot of games in the first half where Canate was bringing the ball out and I was looking at it thinking, you know, Bradley's in so much space and you could see he was hesitant to pass it to him just because, you know, naturally it's not Trent and, you know, it's a young player and things like that. But every time he got the ball, he did so well with it that he kind of deserved to get it a bit more. Um, and it was just, you know, when I talk about the limitations of Liverpool's attack and performance, to see someone kind of make smart choices and really commit defenders and win fouls in the final third was really refreshing. And whilst he did have um, one or two shaky moments at the back, obviously, you know, you mentioned giving away that late foul. Um, I think he also sort of, ends up on the deck before Willian's goal, but that's obviously more Virgil van Dijk's error, really. Um, he, I'd, I'd say, generally defended his flank quite well. Um, some good 1v1 moments to get against Willian, so we can be really pleased with how he's done in both directions. Chris, obviously, we've not had the chance on, on the podcast to speak about Trent's injury. I mean, how much better or how much less worried do you feel about that in light of how Bradley played yesterday? Uh, it's a funny question, really, because as Pep Lines has said, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold is Trent Alexander-Arnold and there's no like for like. So how less worried you can be, I'm not entirely sure. I know you can be less worried by the fact it's not a long-term injury. That's, that's one key thing. But I think what you can be encouraged by is that Conor Bradley is immensely capable at the role. You need to remember as well, he's a Northern Ireland international. He's played more games for Northern Ireland than he has for Liverpool. So he's got a load of international experience, or at least a fair amount of it, at a very young age as well. I was watching the game at work last night with a Bolton fan, and she was just saying how brilliant he was last season. And I know that's League One, but still, it was a great learning curve for me. He played over 50 games for Bolton um, and won the the, uh, the Papa John's Trophy as well. So again, that, that's Wembley experience, it's winning experience, and whatever whatever level that comes at, it's brilliant to to have that under your belt. And you know, 
it was a Trent-esque pass that nearly set up the third goal. So I think he's definitely got the delivery in his locker. I think he's got the defensive side as well. I know I know you mentioned the one or two moments, but I think his anticipation of danger is, is fantastic. I don't think he's phased by wingers coming up against him. I know Williams in deep into his 30s now, but there, there was a point when, as you know, Jurgen Klopp called him one of the one of the, the modern Premier League great players, and I think he's still got that ability. We saw yesterday with his goal; he's still got the, those those twinkle toe feet and finishing ability. And Bradley did really well to cope with that on the most part. Um, I think that he's a player. I don't think anybody would be particularly phased about starting against Bournemouth. Um, it's a nice break as well, so it just gives Alexander Arnold a bit more time to get ready. Um, it's nice as well that after Bournemouth, it's with all due respect to Norwich or, or Bristol Rovers, it's a home FA Cup tie. So and that was a game Bradley quite possibly would have played in anyway. So it's just getting a bit more prepared for that, really. And then obviously, when Chelsea comes around, fingers crossed, um, and toes and everything else that Trent Alexander-Arnold will be available for that because he, he just is irreplaceable. You can't replace Alexander-Arnold with a like-for-like. Like. It's impossible. Um, so, yeah, encouraged more than anything at Bradley's really competent and quite attacking performance. Yeah, I think it it's sort of you, you've got to be balanced with it. I mean, Bradley individually did very well, but it's also hard to look at the first three quarters of that game for Liverpool and not sort of notice how important Trent Alexander-Arnold is. Arguably the team's most important player um, at the moment, really, given that the form that he's been in especially. But yeah, while you were talking there, Chris, I, I looked it up and he's already made 13 senior appearances for Northern Ireland and made his debut in May 2021. So he's been sort of around that set up for quite a long time now. Never actually played um, a minute in the Premier League. Um which obviously will change against uh, Bournemouth by the looks of it. And interesting battle kind of set up between him and Calvin Ramsey, who's had a disappointing loan spell at Preston, but and has obviously had a lot of injuries too. But I'd say when he has sort of featured, not only at Liverpool, but also at Aberdeen, he's looked really promising too. So we'll see who kind of becomes long-term, that sort of second-choice right-back um, out of those two. Um, Dan, was there anyone else who stood out to you yesterday within... Uh, Liverpool sort of starting eleven or substitutes. So I'll come to you first on that, and then Chris, if there's anyone you, who else deserve, deserves a mention, then just feel free to jump in afterwards. Yeah, I mean, obviously the substitutes, um, Darwin Nunes and Cody Gakpo both helped, well, instigate the game, turned on its head essentially. And but Cody Gakpo's finish was really, really nice as well. To be honest with you, the near post, um, he's got that type of finish in his locker. It seems he's a strange player, Cody Gakpo. He's a bit of an enigma. He's hard to pin down. I think it's because he. Played in so many various positions. Obviously, we signed him as sort of an out-and-out winger from PSV, and it's never really materialised as that. But then he pops up with goals, like the ones he does last night. Um, yeah, I think obviously, though, Darwin Nunes could have had a hat trick, but we're not the burnt Leno. And I think I've seen a clip of him speaking in his native tongue, basically saying, "Why won't the ball go in the back of the net for me?" Um, and I bet he does feel like that at the minute because he did everything but score probably twice last night. I'd have to say I thought he was brilliant when he came on. It was a strange old performance, actually, because 
I thought his first six, seven, eight, nine touches after watching back to get a full number were pretty poor. It never seemed to stick at all. And then all of a sudden it just ignited for him and it went from there. But it's interesting you spoke about him earlier, about how you've got to view him now, potentially. I think we're all viewing him as this out-and-out nine who just needs to score goals, goals of his currency. We might have to change that and he might just have to be a forward stroke attacker now because he's just doing different things. Um, but yeah, him, obviously. I think Curtis Jones is probably the main sort of standout performer for me. I thought some of his touches, some of his turns, some of his flicks, his use of the ball, his his willingness, his desire to get on the ball and to change the game forward as well. Obviously, the goal will be a vibe of deflection. Just that. And Liverpool were struggling to break Fulham down. It felt like for large parts as well. They had a very well-organised low block and there were times whereby our lack of pace in the attack was allowing them to get deep again and to make life difficult. And that got really frustrating. So for Curtis Jones to to break the shackles of that with just having a go, sometimes that can be the best effort because all of a sudden they're expecting to try and be intricate and pass through the lines and they're cutting that off. They're cutting off the angles really impressively. So for somebody just to say, you know what, I'm fed up with this. Let's just try our luck because you just never know. That was good. But honestly, I thought Curtis Jones was excellent. There's a turn on the edge of our penalty area that I need to see again. I obviously I was there last night, so I've only seen it live, but it looked absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, so probably him. I think Keith Kelleher, and I, um, I think he come up big with the second half in particular, a couple of the big saves. I think Canard had another decent game up against the physical Val Jimenez, what he won the majority of his aerial duels. Um, other than that, I don't think there's any real standout. I love Lester McAllister winning the ball back off Joe Paulini, a bit of a sliding doors moment there. All the talk about Paulini going round and R6, nicking it off him. Um, but yeah, honestly, I thought I never, I wasn't too disappointed by anyone, if truth be told. I think Gravenberg is probably the one major concern, albeit before he went off. He probably produced the moment of the game up until that point whereby he turned like two men and had his shot. He probably should have hit the target, to be honest. But yeah, I um, I was relatively pleased throughout, to be honest. I must admit, nobody really got on my nerves and I was pretty impressed with the majority. I think um, Graven Birch, just touch on him, first of all. Um, the moment that summed it up for him was when... He went to sort of catch the ball for a throw-in, but he handled it before it went out of play. And you just sat there thinking, I've never seen something that screams not our night as much as that moment did. Um, thankfully, it wasn't the case in the end. I mean, there was also a point where um, someone threw the ball into him and it just sort of hit him and went straight out of play. And you started to think, just keep him away from the touchline um, at this point. But um, yeah, I think he's he started really well. Um, it's cooled off a bit in recent weeks and it's sort of made you realise that it's going to be a bit more of a project player as opposed to um, maybe someone like Sobersly, who's obviously, you know, shown close to his, his best level already. Um, so I, I'm not sort of too worried long term, but I just think that, you know, it was a bit of a tough night for him um, yesterday. And um, on Jones, I think as much as obviously there is a wicked deflection, when I was watching kind of the reverse angle of that shot yesterday, I was like, that... That was sort of travelling of its own right too. I think, you know, I'm not necessarily sure it was going in, but I think the keeper would have been forced into a pretty good save to keep it out. Um, and just on Gakpo, um, I know there's been a lot of talk about our attacking options and, and not really producing at times, and that's fair enough. But I think you'd have to say nine goals is a reasonably good tally for this stage of the season. And um, I would say that if he ends up finishing with 15 in all comps, 
that would you'd have to say that's a pretty solid first full season at the club. Um, obviously, you can't just look at numbers and that's the be all and end all. But I do think that in those sort of headline areas, he's doing all right. Um, so I just wanted to mention that as well. But anyway, the second leg is obviously to come at, at Craven Cottage um, in a couple of weeks. And you don't know who Liverpool would face in a potential final either. You know, Chelsea obviously suffering a shock defeat at home to Middlesbrough. They have a, a way to Middlesbrough, sorry, but they've got a chance to turn that round at Stamford Bridge. I'll come to you, Chris. I mean, what what are your feelings about that second leg? I mean, how difficult do you think it's going to be for Liverpool? Because essentially, you're saying to them, you, you go into Fulham away and you can afford to draw and, you, and you'll be all right. But they've caused plenty of issues for Liverpool so far this season. And last season as well. Uh, I was looking at stats before the game. Marco Silva had managed eight games against Liverpool prior to last night and he'd lost four, all four being at Anfield. He's never lost against Liverpool at home as a manager for four different clubs. One obviously with Hull and Drew with Watford, Everton and Fulham. So obviously I think a draw would see Liverpool through to Wembley and there'd be absolutely no problem with that. But it, it maybe makes people think, anybody that thinks it would be an easy evening at Craven Cottage, maybe just have to take a step back and just acknowledge that Marco Silva is a very good manager. And I don't think he was particularly allowed to show it at Everton just because of all the issues there and the spending and not being spent in the right places and everything. Obviously, everything that's come back to bite them a bit. But I think we're seeing at Fulham that he is a good manager. And I think we're seeing that he's able to get the best out of players that people maybe wouldn't look at as upper mid-table Premier League quality. And as well, he's doing all of this without Alexander Mitrovic, which would be a massive blow for anybody to lose, never mind a team who was so reliant on him. So there's a lot of credit that's got to go Marcus Silva's way. I think it's always funny approaching a game with a slender lead. Like if it was a two-goal lead, my approach to it would be slightly different. I'm more inclined to treat the game like it's nil-nil and then only act as if there's a lead in the closing stages because Fulham will probably play pretty similar to they did Anfield. Maybe a bit more attacking. But they were still attacking in their own right last night. They did have big opportunities, um, certainly on the counter-attack. And I think we're probably expecting Liverpool to have most possession again, for them to play on the counter-attack again. So it's just something that Liverpool have to be a bit wary of. Um, and by the way, you were mentioning players um, who, you know, any standard performances last night, I know he was at fault for Willian's goal. But I thought Virgil van Dijk did so well considering he was victim to one of the most comical yellow cards you're ever going to see very early in the game. And he did so well after that. Yes, there could have been a second yellow card for the foul on him and as David Coop play, um, played the game on. But I thought overall, yeah, I thought he did well to conduct himself while on a yellow card. Admittedly, if he did get a bit of a let off on, in terms of getting a second. But yeah, I think Liverpool will come under pressure again. I think they'll have to cope with it again. I think Soboslai, if, if you're talking about the returnees, he's probably the only one that will likely come in. I'm imagining a very similar starting eleven to Liverpool. Again, I'm probably imagining quite a similar starting eleven for Fulham, really. So, um, 
it might be a case of who blinks first at Craven Cottage. I'm expecting it to be another tight night, but hopefully it'll be one that sees Liverpool through to the final. Yeah, very, very close now to um, another shot at winning the Carabao Cup, but plenty of work still to do at the same time. And just on the uh, Van Dijk one, I'm pretty sure that when we played um, Newcastle, Joel Linton, um, he hadn't been booked at this point, but I think he sort of stops up a slide during a counter-attack. And Anfield was livid because um, the referee didn't come back and book him. He played advantage. But I think the rule is that if you play advantage in that scenario in an attacking situation, the referee can't then come back and give a yellow card. I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's sort of what I heard at the time on social media after, obviously, all the uproar about that decision. Um, so maybe that's why. But, you know, certainly looking at the first yellow, I was, was there like, well, what's he given that for? And I thought maybe... You know, seeing it on on TV afterwards would clear it up a bit, but it hasn't, um, I'd have to say. But, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you as well on the approach for the game, Chris. You know, if Liverpool were 1-0 up or 2-1 up or whatever in an actual game against Fulham, they would still be, you know, going for it, definitely trying to get that goal to kill the game game off. And hopefully they can score early um, and obviously open up their advantage a little bit more. But they're still... Um, a Premier League game in between that one. So um, it won't be the focus for Liverpool just yet, but they do have a 10-day break now um, thanks to the Premier League's winter break, which has returned this season, and that will obviously be a valuable chance um, for Liverpool to get players back. You know, Chris mentioned Sobosly, and also have a rest before, obviously, things accelerate again for the remainder of the season. But we will leave it there. Uh, for this morning's episode thanks very much everyone for listening thanks to dan and chris for joining me if you've enjoyed the podcast please do give us a five-star review remember to follow and press the notification button as well and we've got our email address and all of our twitter usernames in the episode description as well and we'll be back at the start of next week for an episode you know midway through this sort of 10 day break so make sure you join us for that one but until then take care